So I've been uh, getting a lot of questions from people about today. People asking, are you excited about today? Um, I, I don't know how to respond to that. Like, I, I am unbelievably fired up about today, whether or not you can tell. I mean, I, I am like, I mean, so in, in, in 1995, Don, Don Doe and a, and a group, a small, small group of people kind of set out with this vision. And the Shea Corridor was kind of opening up in this direction towards Fountain Hills. And uh, Don felt as though God was calling him to, to do something in this area that would, that would increase God's footprint in this part of the valley. And it's, it's interesting if, if you talk to Don about it, because Don was in this, this large church, very secure, and to step out on faith like that is a, is a tough thing to do. Some of you understand that, right? To, to, to step out on something that has no guarantee of success is, is a difficult thing to do. And so Don just believed so strongly that God had called him to this, that he was willing to lay it all on the line to see what God might do with him. So in 1995, McDowell Mountain Community Church held their first service. And they held it in an elementary school of all places. Now, when, when you start a church, uh, some of you have been part of, of church startups in, in the past. When you start a church, it's not an easy thing to do. You don't have a lot of your own stuff. So you're relying on other people. Um, Don and, and this, this, group, this group of people, some of you still here today, believed so strongly in this vision that God had, had something to do in this part of the valley. Um, for over 10 years, they set up and tore down every Sunday morning for a worship service, for children's ministry, for student ministry services, for over 10 years. Can you imagine every single Sunday being a part of a team that would set up and tear down because you believe so strongly in what God had called you to do? I mean, some of us want that kind of vision in our life, don't we? We long for that, like to, to be a part of something bigger than ourselves, something that would last. So for 10 years. And then in 2006, and more of you were here for this, uh, in 2006 on Christmas Eve, this building, this first original building opened up. And uh, the, the permits were kind of coming in at the last moment, uh, some of you remember. And the chairs that you're sitting in, I, I've told some of you this, the chairs that you were, you're sitting in right now, were put in by volunteers from the church, so be careful how hard you lean back into those chairs. Uh, most of them have lasted pretty well. Um, but just because they wanted to have services so badly, and they, and they were so excited about their own space. And here it is. You know, it became a reality. And what began as like this small group of like 20 people had blossomed. And, and God was using it to introduce other people to his grace and his love and his peace and his hope that can come from nowhere else. In 2008, um, Robin and I were, were kind of contemplating what, what God's call in our life was. And um, this, this church, Don had left, the founding pastor had left. Uh, it was a difficult moment in the life of this church. And, and somehow they got my name and they called me and said, would you be interested in and talking to us about becoming the pastor here at, at McDowell. And, and I said, 
sure. I mean, I've never been to Scottsdale. I hear it's a nice place, maybe. And they said, sure, come on out and visit. And they invited me out the weekend that they had to close the airport because the tires on the planes were melting. <laughs> it was like 120 degrees. And um, the car that they gave us was this black, uh, someone loaned it to it. It was a black car with black leather on the inside. And um, Robin and I kind of looked at each other and we said, if, if we come here, it's of God, because nobody would choose to walk on the surface of the sun every day throughout the summer. So it was the end of July, we came, and, and I remember Robin and I, and this morning when we woke up, we were talking about this. I remember the first time we walked into this building, and we looked around, and we just thought, I mean, what, what, what might God want to do here? And it's an interesting building, a beautiful building, right? Don't you believe this? Is, I mean, it's just a gorgeous. I mean, Steve Bardusen did an incredible job when he designed this building. And you walk in and you think, how in the world could this expand? Like, is this, is this kind of it? But there was this vision for more. And, and God has continued to use you all, this people, this place, to impact this greater community for, for him to introduce people to his love and grace. And is there anything more important in this world than that? For people to know the love and grace of a heavenly father, to have hope and peace in something that they can't see and touch. And that's, what, that's what, why we do what we do. And so um, people ask me, are you excited about the expansion? Oh my gosh, am I excited. Why? Not because we have more building. I mean, there are, there are much bigger buildings that you could get excited about, but it's not about the size of the building. It's, it's not even about the footprint. It's about what God wants to do with it that I get excited about. I mean, I, I have been dropping my son off at, at the high school uh, this, this entire year up here, and, and all I can do is look at all these kids who need to know. They need a direction in life, and they're in this moment in life when they're, when they're deciding which way are they going to go, and what are they going to do, and what are they going to chase after, and we have the opportunity. Don't miss this. We have the opportunity to introduce them to something that can change the entire trajectory of their life, and that's what I get excited about. I don't get excited about bricks. I mean, bricks, how excited can you get about bricks? Now, if Steve Bardusen was here, he'd say, whoa, whoa, whoa slow down. I mean, it's beautiful. It's an incredible building. You should walk through it before you leave. And hopefully you come back for the grand opening and all that. But it's not about the bricks. It's about what we get to do with this space. Am I excited? Unbelievably excited. It has nothing really to do with the concrete and the bricks. It has to do with what's going to take place. These are just kingdom resources that God wants to use to expand his grace and his love and his mercy. So, um, before I jump into the message, some of you are like, is that the message? It's not the message. I'll get there. I promise. Um, but this morning, and this kind of just hit me this morning, and I, and I thought this was appropriate just to read to us. Um, because we're moving into this beautiful new space. And for many of us who have given and, and thought and dreamed and seen all the different drawings and, oh, let's not do that. Let's add a garage door. We'll put in as many garage doors as we can. It'll be awesome. And Let's do this and let's do that. Um, so God's people, the Israelites, had been in slavery. They had been in this place where they dreamed about their own land. And God was bringing them into their, their, their own land. And this is what he says. For, 
The Lord your God is bringing you into a good land of flowing streams and pools of water with fountains and springs that gush out in the valleys and hills. Now, I know we're in the desert. (laughs) Just go with me. Um, It's not about the landscape, but I think there's something deeper here than just the water. Something deeper going on. It's a land of wheat and barley, of grapevines and fig trees and pomegranates and olive oil and honey, which makes me even more hungry for Italian food or Mediterranean food or whatever all that would make up. It just sounds really good right now. It's a land where food is plentiful and nothing is lacking. It's a land where iron is as common as stone and copper is abundant in the hills. And then Moses is writing... And he says, when when you've eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. I think part of today is about just simply saying thank you to our good, good Father. Don't you? I mean, just saying thank you, God, for the good land that you've given us, for the blessings, all the iron and copper and Whatever you want, the bricks, thank you for all of that. Not because of what it is, but because of what it gives us, the opportunity to do. And then he says, but be careful, do not forget the Lord your God. Don't forget, remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you the power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. And what Moses is saying here is, is it's quite possible that when you move into your homes and you take your land and you have your pools and your patios and the TV out there and you have everything that you want, be careful that you don't forget to thank the God who's given you the ability to get those things. Don't forget that it's God who's given you the opportunity. Now, I know we have to work hard and we have to do the things that we do. We have to bring our best mind and our best abilities to the table, but it's God who has blessed us with our minds and our strength. And he's the one who gives us the ability to to have the things that we have. And and he says, God's the one who does this in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed. And here's the covenant that he gave. I will bless you, and you will in turn become a blessing to others. And here's where the Israelites messed up. Is they believed the blessings of God were for their own consumption. All the land and the figs and the barley and the wheat and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, They messed up because they felt like that was what God had given them to consume on their own. To hold tightly to and to keep everybody else away from. And that's where we would mess up. Is to see this for us. No, no. God says, I will bless you so that you might in turn become a blessing to those around you. Now, this building that God has given us is to be a blessing to this larger community. And there might be times when we come in and we go, ooh, I'm not sure we should be doing that in the church. And God says, no, 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 just be a blessing. Give it away and see if I can't use it for good in my kingdom. Isn't that a good word to be reminded of this morning? That's not even the message, right? But it's a great, I mean, I I, I just woke up and, and, and it's not just about this, it's about what we have too, isn't it? like the homes that we live in. I mean, I wouldn't want to live anywhere else in this world right now. I mean, this is it. 
It's beautiful, especially this time of year. I eat dinner outside as much as I can, don't you? Why? Because God has given us a great blessing. Don't forget, he gives it to us. Not just to consume on our own, but to share with other people. My house, your house, isn't just for you. It's to use in God's kingdom, however he would see fit to use that. All right, that's a good word. That's not the message. So um, I've got a couple more pages here. And I'll, I'll, move, I'll move quickly through this. Um, so we're in this, this journey with Luke, and uh, we've talked about these two parts of Luke, where Luke is telling the stories of Jesus, and he's, he's talking about who Jesus is, but then he's talking about his mission, like what Jesus is on a mission to do. And I think this all ties in with our, with our new building as well. Um, he's talking about this mission that Jesus is on. And in chapter 9, if you're reading along in the story, there's this important phrase where it says, Jesus turns his mind towards Jerusalem. And he begins this this journey where he's focused on the cross and what what God's called him to do. And he's moving towards the cross. But all along the way, he stops. And where he stops, we we find some interesting lessons. And so I want to tell you the story of, of one of the stops today. And he stops at a friend's house. Uh, it's, it's, it, it's a, a friend that's repeated a number of times throughout the gospel stories. And some of you have heard this story before. Jesus is with his disciples, and it's found in Luke 10. If you have your Bibles, you can open up. It'll be on the screens as well. And it says this. Now, as they went on their way, and remember, they're on their way toward the cross. Like Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. As they went on their way, Jesus entered into a village... And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. So Martha is one of his friends, and he's on his way to Jerusalem, but he wants to stop off and see a friend. Martha welcomes him into her house, and she had a sister, Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his talking. Now, if if you've been in church, you, you probably know where the story's going already. You're like, oh, this is the story of Mary and Martha. And some of you are like, I love this story. And some of you are like, I hate this story. And you'll understand, if you've never heard it, maybe you're hearing it for the first time, you'll understand in just a minute why some people love the story and some people hate the story. Because of the message, one of the messages underneath. Now, I grew up seeing this on flannel board. We had HD flannel board at our church. So it was like flannel board, but big characters, so like HD, like in-your-face flannel board. And when they talked about this story, when the Sunday school teacher talked about this story, there were only three people in the story. There was Jesus, and there was Mary and Martha. And the idea was that that Martha was cooking, and Mary was sitting, hanging out with Jesus. But the actual story says there were a lot of people there. It was all of his disciples, like a big group of them. So the house is full. You can imagine a lot of people. It's not just three people in the story. It's, It's a bigger gathering than that. Um, some things that I've started to pick, pick apart when I look at Scripture and some things that are interesting to me, just knowing the context of this, look who owns the house. It's Martha's house, which is interesting because in the ancient world, you wouldn't expect a woman to own a house. Women didn't quite have possessions like they might have today, and, and I think there's a point to this. Luke was an outsider. I, I told you that a few weeks ago, that Luke was like this outsider. And one of the things that Luke always wants to do is he wants to like lift up the outsiders or those who have been marginalized. And women oftentimes have been marginalized by culture, and Jesus is always lifting them up. And Luke points out that 
Martha actually owns the house. It's not a man's house. Now, Mary and Martha live there, but Lazarus probably lives there too, we find in another story. So there's actually a man in the house, but he doesn't own it. She does. Can I get an amen from one of my sisters? I mean, there's some good things here, right? So they're pulling out these different things, and she has a sister, Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet. Now, in my mind, I always saw um, Mary and Jesus just kind of hanging out, like in the living room. But this phrase, who sat at the Lord's feet, is this really specific phrase in the ancient world of discipleship. Like, she wasn't just hanging out with Jesus. She was, like, gaining all that she could because she wanted to be like Jesus. She wanted to enter into this place where she could, like, live with the grace and peace and hope that Jesus lived with to express the love that he did. So she's not just hanging out with Jesus, as good as that might be. She's actually like trying to soak in who Jesus is. So the story continues. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to Jesus and she said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. Now, let's pause just for a second. Now, some of you love this story because you're like relational people. And you love it because you know where Jesus is going. Like, he's going to tell Martha to chill out, that, that Mary's in the better place here, right? Because she's hanging out with Jesus. And some of you who are relational people, you're like, yes, I, I'm a relational person. I just like hanging out with people. It doesn't matter what gets done. And some of you who are type A, firstborn, driven people like me, you're like, I hate this story. I mean, how would they eat if Martha wasn't doing what Martha's doing? How would anything get done if I wasn't doing what I'm doing? This is such a small story. I'm just going to ignore it. Can I get an amen from some of you? Any type A entrepreneurs among us? No, none. That's, yeah, you're thinking about other things right now, aren't you? So just a few things, like pulling it out. Um, Martha was distracted with much serving. This word serving is an interesting word in the Greek. And it's the same word that Jesus uses when he says, I have not come to be served, but to serve. And so you would, you would think that, wait a minute, Jesus is doing, or Martha is, is doing what Jesus said he was here to do. Like, isn't that good? Isn't the serving good? Don't you think the serving is good? This means yes, this means no, right? <laughs> yes, serving is good. That's what Jesus came to do. But Martha's serving actually became a distraction to the one who was in her house. The serving that, that she was doing distracted her from Jesus. Um, the other thing that I find interesting in, the, in this little passage is the way that, that Martha talks to Jesus. Like, she doesn't go up, like... When you talk about conflict resolution, it's, no, you need to go to the person who has offended you or the person that you're upset with and talk it out, right? She, like, skips Mary in the whole process, process of, of conflict resolution. She goes to Jesus, and she goes, Jesus, don't you see what's going on here? Do, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all this serving? And then, talk about boldness, tell her tell her to return to her rightful work in the kitchen next to me, right? I mean, she's bold, sometimes more bold than I am. Like, whoa, you're talking to Jesus. Like, careful. And Jesus answers her. 
And, and he answers her in this very affectionate, loving way. Uh, sometimes um, we might think that, that he would like, kind of come after her a little bit for the way that she just talked to him. But Jesus, the, the way that he repeats her name, which is in the, the passage, it's not something added later, it's actually in the story that he repeats her name, is this super affectionate, loving response to her. It's like um, if you have a child, when, when, you're, when your child you know, does something, and, and there's times when your children do something when it's time to yell at them, but there's other times when you come down kind of on a knee and you're like, son, son, you don't need to... You know what I mean? It's like that affectionate, loving arm around them. That's how Jesus responds uh, to Martha here. And so, she, so he says, Martha, Martha, you were distracted by many things. But there is only one thing worth being concerned about. You're distracted by all this serving, which is good. But it's keeping you from the most important thing, the one thing that you need to be concerned about. And then he says, Mary has chosen the good portion which is an interesting translation. She, she has chosen the good portion here, and that will not be taken from her. Now, just three quick takeaways. And I want to challenge you maybe to think about how one of these might uh, interact with your life, how, how one might come kind of face-to-face -face with where you are. And I'm going to ask you with these takeaways some maybe questions to lead you in a, in a good direction, to lead all of us in a good direction. Um, so the first one is this. Jesus continues on his journey to remove the boundary markers that we so often create in this world. Right? On this journey, the story that comes right before Mary and Martha is the Good Samaritan. And if you remember the Good Samaritan story, Jesus is talking about how the Samaritan outsider is more honoring to God than the priest and Pharisee in the story, right? Jesus continues to break down the stereotypes and the boundary markers that we create in our world. And let's be honest, we love boundary markers, don't we? We love to know who's in and who's out. We love to draw these lines and say, not you, but you. You can come in, but you can't. And Jesus, on his way to Jerusalem, on his way to the cross, and I think this is foreshadowing, I think he is saying what will happen on the cross will remove all boundary markers. The veil will be torn between God and man, and all people can come into his presence. Everyone, based on what Jesus did, not on what we do. And one of the boundary markers of this day in the first century was this boundary marker where women couldn't come in. And I think Jesus continually just kind of knocks that away and says, women, Anyone who's been set aside, you, you are welcome in the kingdom of God. Not only are you welcome, but you are pursued into the kingdom of God. Don't allow other people to set you aside. Jesus continually breaks down these markers that we create. So here's my question in our context that I think pops out of this. Um, my question is, how are we, how am I, I'm going to personalize this, how am I contributing or helping dismantle the us-versus-them rhetoric that is so prevalent in our culture today? Now, we all know this to be true, don't we? This, this us-versus-them rhetoric that is all over right now. And it's all about us-versus-them and fill-in-the-blank who us and them is. 
And I think the, the question becomes, how am I either contributing to building up markers, or how am I breaking those things down? How am I dismantling those? And saying, look, we are all in this together. Like, we're all humans. We're all trying to figure it out. We're all on this journey. We, we, we believe, as followers of Jesus, we believe that following Jesus, going in the ways of Jesus, are the best ways to live in this world. They bring hope and peace and love and grace to all people, not just some who are on the inside, but to all people. So how do we either build these things up or how do we tear them down? Which, which am I doing? I, I think this story like, asks us that question. Where am I in that? Am I just a part of the, the, the hate talk on, on Facebook where I get on there and I, I say something that all the people agree with me who are going gonna to like it and they're going to say amen and do all of that and I'm just speaking to my own people. But I'm building this us versus them kind of culture. Or, or, or am I like trying to dismantle, kind of give other perspectives? Um, I, I'll never forget in, in college, I was in this theology class and the professor called me up one day and he said, I want you to sit here, Matt. And I sat down and he said, let's pretend we're on a train in Europe. And I'd never been to Europe. And I was like, I don't know how to pretend that. I've never been to Europe. And he's, he said, you're a Christian and you're here. And he said, I'm Muslim and I'm going to sit right here next to you. What do you say? And the class, the whole class, like everybody's staring at me like you are right now. I had no idea what to say. Like, what do you mean, what do I say? And he was like, well, how do you have a conversation with somebody who might not believe what you believe? And I said, well, do you want me to try to like, convince them that I'm right and they're wrong? And he's like, no, 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 no. How do you just have a conversation? And like, I didn't know what to do. Well, uh, you're the professor. You tell me. <laughs> what am I supposed to say right now? And he said, no, no. What? Like, isn't it about finding some common ground to start with? Like, isn't it about like, realizing that we're all humans? And I thought, that's brilliant. Yes, let's do that. And then we can maybe get into some deeper conversations after we have some relationship. How am I contributing to? How am I dismantling? Second um, takeaway that I think kind of pops out. Many of us, like Martha, are so focused on doing that we forget who we are becoming. And here's that little tension between doing and being. Some of us get so caught up and so trapped in this drive to do things that we forget that we're becoming something. What are we becoming? Who are we becoming? And here's the little question that I think kind of pops out. Do I have a clear sense and direction of who I am becoming in the midst of what I am doing? Like all of us have to do something, right? We're all doing some things. But do I have a clear sense of, of who I'm becoming in the midst of the doing? Do I have a clear sense of the kind of person I am becoming as I do the things that I have to do? And the last takeaway. We're often so afraid. Um, I'm, I'm going to be transparent here for just, just a second. I, I wrote this one, and this is probably the one that kind of needles at my own heart more than, more than the others right now. Um, we're often so afraid that we will miss a moment when the moment we mo most often miss is the present one. Now, here's what I, here's what I mean by that. Um, like... I got to check this out real quick to make sure I'm not missing anything, right? I don't want to miss a moment that someone might post. I don't want to miss something. I don't want to miss the news story, so it's going to pop up. The news story's got to pop up, 
and I've got to pull it out because I can't miss, like, what did he say? What did, he said what? Like, I, I don't want to miss what he said. And I'm trying not to miss the moment, but I'm missing the moment. I might be missing what's most important while I'm trying not to miss a moment. Now, that is confusing as all get out, but I think you're with me. Like, we're trying not to miss moments, and the moments we're missing more often than any other is the present moment that we are in and living. Now, that's the one that kind of gets after me. Um, we're, me and a couple buddies were on the golf course recently. It's a perfect place to golf in this time of year. I love it, you know. And it's funny, we're on the golf course, and we're playing, and we're having to wait on every hole. Some of you guys who are golfers, women who are golfers, you know what I mean. You're waiting on every hole, and you're getting a little frustrated by the wait that's ahead of you, right? And then one of the gentlemen, um, he's a little bit more experienced in life than I am. It's a good way to put it. Like, he's 70. And... Um, <laughs> He said, it's funny, because we're all kind of getting frustrated. He said, it's funny that like, we all are so excited to get out on the golf course, and when we get out there, we're frustrated when we actually enjoy the moment. And I was like, you need to just be quiet for a few minutes and let me <laughs> stew in my anger about having to wait for the next shot. And I thought, isn't that a brilliant thought? Sometimes we get so like, fixated on getting done that we miss the moments that maybe God has given us that are more important. I love this journey that we're on with Jesus. I don't always love like, how he needles in my life, but I, I love where he's moving us for, to, to taking the moments and enjoying them. And today we have an opportunity to simply thank God in this moment for all that has come before and the blessings that he's given us in the new building. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful for our church, our community? I am. I'm so thankful. I love our church. Um, let's stand up together, and I'm going to say a prayer, and um, we're not going to sing another song. We're just going to send us out, and if, if you're coming back later, we're going to do some tours. If you're not coming back later, you can kind of check out the new space, except for there's some secure areas where kids are that you cannot go, and you've got to come back for a tour if you want to do that. God, you are a great God, and uh, you have given us so much. God, I pray that we would not hold tightly to what you've given us, but that we would release it and become a blessing to those around us. God, thank you for the good gift of this new building. God, I pray that we would take hold of every moment that you give us, that we wouldn't miss it. God, I pray that you would awaken us in this world to how we could be bridges to other people, bridges to love and grace and peace, not barriers. God, help us to do that as people following Jesus. We love you, and we're so thankful for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Have a great day. We'll see you next week.